UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Brent Derringer. And we're going to preview Michigan's next game versus Wisconsin. First of all, it's glad that Wisconsin has uh, overcome their COVID problems to rejoin this Big Ten rebooted season. Game's going to be a evening kickoff, uh, a primetime matchup, so that will be interesting. Clint, how do you feel about this game coming up? I I picked Michigan to lose this game originally in the preseason, and it's, it's hard to say that expectations for Michigan's performance have gone up, of course. You know, that's there's only one way that I could uh, could see this going. The, the mitigating factor in terms of the, the game, we're trying to predict the game score, is that Wisconsin's only played once, and, uh, you know, who knows what what they've been able to actually get done in terms of preparation over the last two weeks where they've had games canceled. And we also know that as good as Wisconsin looked in week one against Illinois. Illinois might be the only team in the Big Ten worse than Minnesota. You know, so it's uh, there's there's still some question marks there, but I, I think um, it'd be hard to predict anything real positive for Michigan until we see that some of those problems that we discussed on Sunday. So some of those problems are getting shored up or, or we're finding solutions and not more questions. Uh, it's hard to pick anything other than, than Wisconsin to win. In the preseason, I picked Wisconsin by six, and now I think it'll be something two scores, maybe two and a half, something similar to what Indiana did. Um, I think right now I've got Wisconsin 30, Michigan 20. So it's going to be interesting because I was trying to think about which team had the advantage here. On one hand, you can imagine that Wisconsin's going to have to knock the rust off. But on the other hand, they didn't lose any players the last two games. And one of the big things impacting Michigan's performance last week versus Indiana was the shuffling of the offensive line due to injuries. And then, of course, you know, uh, losing one of their top defenders early in the game. So it's tough. Definitely, uh, I think that we're all on high alert hoping for Michigan to bounce back and, and look more like that team that came out against Minnesota in the season opener and less like the, the team that we saw in the stunning loss to Michigan State and the, and the loss to Indiana on the road. You know, another thing is we talked about, hey, this is a night game and Michigan's coming home, but I think one thing that we've seen across the spectrum of college football is that with empty stadiums, the home field advantage seems to have evaporated. Well, yeah, we've we've definitely seen that in the games that Michigan's been involved in. They played their best game on the road to open up the season and then had their worst performance still is, is that second game against uh, a, what's turned out to be a really bad Michigan State team. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a total reversal so far this season than what we've seen in the past where Michigan has been – uh, outplays expectations at home and, and severely underperforms expectations on the road. That is not the case this year. So you would imagine uh, it's pretty similar for everybody. It's, everything's been kind of neutralized with, with just parents and immediate family members of the, the staff and players in the stands. One thing that's going to be interesting is 
here we have the, uh, you know, traditionally, and, and again, we'll say traditionally because, you know, that, that I think that's the case. They would always try to schedule Michigan home games earlier in the day, right? Because although we've had some uncharacteristically beautiful weather the last several days here in Michigan, generally November, especially at night, can get really cold. So it's going to be interesting to see how these, uh, how these late games in November, how the weather impacts things. The other thing that's going to be interesting is we really don't have solid information on if uh, Michigan's offensive line is going to be back to the starting group uh, prior to the Indiana game. Um, we know that uh, Hutchinson on the defense is going to be out. He had to have surgery on a fracture, so we know he's not coming back, but we don't know what to expect on the offensive line. After having some days to let the Indiana loss settle in and having reviewed your notes and the tape, what do you hope for Michigan to do to uh, make this game more competitive against against Wisconsin? Well, number one is tied to what you've already mentioned is the health of the offensive line. Ideally, you can get your starters back in there because I, I still think Michigan is most likely to have success in the running game or um, utilizing their uh, quick passing game to the outside uh, to the running backs or to the uh, kind of the slot receivers or, or quick H backs like uh, like Henning and, and Chris Evans and um, Roman Wilson, even Giles Jackson, those guys getting them on the edge in some space. Um, and then also getting Charbonnet, Corum, and Hassan Haskins off tackle instead of in the A and B gaps, I think is critical. So ideally, you've got both of your starting tackles back. Um, if if I had to pick one to get back, um, obviously I would say Mayfield. I think he's the most talented. But also what that does on the right side of the line is pushes Stuber back down in position. And I think the combination over there with Mayfield next to Stuber is is highly likely to be um, the best opportunity to see success in the run game. And I think that it's a, it's a big difference with what we saw successfully against a really bad uh, Minnesota defense and then what we did not, could not see Michigan doing last week against Indiana. I, I think there's more opportunity along that right side edge for their running game. Um, in the passing game on the offense, I'm glad that they've shown the propensity to push the ball down the field. You know, everybody in the country knows about the strength of Joe Milton's arm. They did connect on a couple uh, deep passes, so that's good. The threat is there. What I'd like to see against Wisconsin is I think you got to threaten it early even if it's not successful, you know, even if you overthrow a guy on a fly route along the sideline, you, you, you kind of send a message to the other defensive coordinator for Wisconsin that he's not going to be able to come up and press those receivers, especially the, the really fast receivers like Roman Wilson in the slot and, and even Giles Jackson. You can't come up and press those guys. And, and then once you've backed them off by throwing those, those deep balls, whether they connect or not, now you've potentially opened up some more of the, the quick hitters that were successful against Minnesota. So those are the two main things on offense that I'd, that I'd be, be liked. I would be happy to see. I think that's uh, 
there's still opportunity for Michigan to to succeed there. Um, the offense has been kind of hit and miss, and if they can start to put together full drives with successful plays back to back to back, um, there's an opportunity to go from you know scoring in the 20s like they have the last couple weeks and back up into the, the 30s and 40s. I, I think that's probably what's going to be necessary this week. You're going to have to score at least 30 points to win this game. You know, another point is I wonder how Wisconsin is going to attack Michigan, right? Obviously, you know, their uh, their tradition, their uh, their M.O. is, you know, big linemen who can push the ball down, push the run game, and, and push the defenders around. Um, you know, I wonder, are they going to take more shots at Michigan's secondary? And if that's the case, you know, if, if we – if – we have seen uh, teams be able to successfully dial up an attack where they can expose the secondary. You know, this one could be a track meet, and and not that's not in Michigan's favor. Yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy to think of a high flying Wisconsin offense. You know, but that that is what they showed um, in Week One against Illinois was that they they were a better passing team in that game, effectively both efficiency and explosiveness than they were a running team, you know, and uh, it was a first start for their their new starter, Graham Mertz. Now he reports are that he's one of the players that tested positive for COVID. And I think Friday, if I read the report correctly, fr- this coming Friday would be the first day that he's able to return to football activities. Now that doesn't mean that he couldn't have been engaged in um, the game planning and meetings with coaches uh, remotely. So he, he could have been actively part of the, the game planning this week. Um, but Friday is typically just a walkthrough to, to actually, you know, remind everybody where they, what their assignments are, what their keys are. Uh, it's not a live practice. So it would be interesting. It, I think it is. Um, I don't know if it's 50-50 or maybe closer to like, you know, 30-70 that Graham Mertz is, it comes out and is the starting quarterback. And if so, um, then that he's a really talented quarterback as he showed, but he'd be making a second start on a really extremely strange preparation week. So um, again, all of that would kind of lead me to believe they're going to simplify as much as possible. And after watching Michigan the last two weeks, I don't know how you don't just catch the ball in the shotgun snap and, and throw deep, against the corners uh, along the sidelines away from the safety. So uh, I, I think you're going to see another healthy dose of that vertical passing attack. Again, you're going to attack a team in their, their weakest point until they show the ability to stop it. So until uh, Jamon Green and uh, Vincent Gray show the ability to trust their coverage and the, their ball skills without getting penalties, I don't know why you wouldn't attack that. It's going to be one of those interesting times. Do you be the team that you are, or do you take advantage of what the team gives you, right? And right now, like you said, Wisconsin kind of showed they were willing to go downfield in the first game of, that they played. And, again, having watched what's happened to Michigan secondary, you would think they would be attacking that. And just as, uh, you know, you're hoping that Michigan kind of, um, you know, does a shots fired, you know, throws long just to show that they can, you would think Wisconsin would take a couple of shots just to see 
if if they can expose that that you know that softness that other teams have taken advantage. And again, I, I'm really concerned if if Wisconsin uh, starts throwing and and can be successful, um, you know this one this one can get out of hand. And you know I, I always try to be generally positive for Michigan, but man, the, the trend that we've seen over the last couple of weeks has has not been good. Um, and again, you know, you, like you said, this is a un, this is an unusual circumstance with them be missing some games to COVID. Um, you hope that everyone comes back healthy. The reality is, is that, um, like you said, their quarterbacks may have been taking advantage of doing Zoom meetings and such to prepare, but they haven't been on the field and they haven't been conditioning the, the way that they normally would. So it's definitely going to be an odd situation. Um, word came down that the Ohio State-Maryland game is now canceled. So as bad as things look for Michigan uh, you know, on the field, you hope that they can stay on the field and we have stuff to discuss and, you know, you start looking at kind of like a checkerboard schedule, right? You're wondering which games are going to are gonna be erased, um, how uh, the formula for calculating who wins the division is going to um, sort out. And, you know, you hope that somehow Michigan can, can stay playing and keep improving and, and be in a, a situation to have a, a positive outcome at the end. Um, you know, and I think, uh, um, you know, what I'm looking for from Michigan on the offense is, you know, I'm really looking. I think they need to get pretty basic, right? I think they need to tighten up their splits on the offensive line. They need to um, restrict the playbook a little bit. And as much as I really like all of our running backs, I think they need to cut down on that rotation. You know, I want to see Hassan Hoskins come out and, and get fed the ball and try to try to bust some big some big runs. Um, again, I really like, you know, our rotation, but it hasn't been uh, successful, you know, as of yet. And uh, the guy who looks to be uh, the big horse running the ball is Hassan Hoskins. So I, I'd like to see him get opportunities early to see if he can start uh, busting up the uh, the Wisconsin defense and hopefully breaking a few long runs. Yeah, I think you, you make a good point. Um something I, I said before also, and I'll, I'll reiterate it now is, is I, I think Michigan right now is underutilizing Joe Milton in the run game. I, I think you've got to show that you're willing to take a numbers advantage. Um, if, if it presents itself, if, if you do go four wide, for example, and, and you've got your five linemen and a running back and a quarterback, that's seven guys. If you see less than seven guys in the box against your four wide, then, you know, the, the quarterback should be running the ball, you know, or, or somehow you should be optioning somebody off and reading somebody. So um, just creating numbers advantages in the quarterback run game and, and utilizing that and then even utilizing the play-action pass that comes off of that series, that's, that's the biggest difference offensively between what I saw in week one against Minnesota with the kind of quarterback pin and pull or the quarterback power being successful for Joe Milton in uh, the last two weeks where they kind of um, hemmed him in and made him just a, a pocket passer or, um, you know, maybe some RPOs, but, but it never seemed to me that his running ability was, was putting pressure on the defense along the edges. Again, you're reading either the end guy on the line of scrimmage or some of those active linebackers, for Wisconsin. This is right now SP plus has Wisconsin as the second 
highest rated defense. So you're going to have to find ways to exploit the opportunities that you get because there are not going to be many opportunities against a really solid defense for the Badgers. You know, one of the other things that I want to see is I want to see our tight end position catch the ball. So when I went back and, and watched the game, you know, um, often when the quarterback's under pressure, that tight end is, is a safety valve, right? It's, it's normally a shorter throw and uh, really got to see that position, uh, you know, do a better job of catching the ball for, for uh, Joe Milton. Um, you know, it's interesting is the actual receiving core, other than the tight ends, have been doing pretty well. Um, again, it, it's the running game that has failed them. So hopefully um, Joe Milton can can keep distributing the ball and, and we can see some good things. Um, again, I, I really feel that the offense is, is close to clicking. Okay, I think that what we saw the first week against Minnesota, you know, we can see again and we can see it again against better opponents. But again, they need to put it all together Um you know, we talked about this over the last couple of weeks. It's been it's been death by a, by a hundred cuts, right? You know, different things going wrong at different times. Um, I feel better about the offense than I do about the defense, and uh, hopefully we will we will see the defense firming up, um, which which kind of leads to um, it's interesting. There's been some comments from Don Brown out in the media about how he's kind of uh, surprised at the criticism that's been leveled against the defense and, and the program and Jim Harbaugh in general. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I think, you know, we've talked about how we didn't think there was going to be a season and then there was a season. So there was a lot of pent up anticipation for, uh, you know, getting back to some normalcy. And I think people were really hoping that not only were we going to get this abbreviated season where we didn't have the non-conference games, but that Michigan was really geared up to have a really strong run. I think hopes were really high after that first game. So, you know, I can understand uh, people's disappointments, and I'm, I'm you know, I, I kind of, I, I kind of, you know, I don't know how how much stock I put into when Don Brown says that he's surprised. I mean. Um, that goes with the territory when you're at a major program like Michigan and especially in this weird COVID season where um, people are looking for any kind of diversion and any sense of normalcy. I think that it's very understandable that people are, are super disappointed with, with the last two games. Yeah, absolutely. The disappointment is really easy to understand, but I, I think the first thing that slips um, our mind as fans, right. Is the, we tend to be former athletes or players or, or, or somehow you know, sports or, or football specifically, you know, fan is short for fanatic. You know, there's a lot of enthusiasm and passion, right? But it, it's hard for us to remember as fans that we're, we're, we're not all that more, much more competitive or, or want to win more than the guys that are actually coaching and playing, right? It's 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 the first thing that kind of, we kind of leap to that uh, assumption that that we care more than than the guys that are actually on the field going through the uh, the ups and downs and the roller coaster of preparing all week and 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 the crazy um, 
off season and the rest of that, those guys, you know, they, they care much, much more. Right. I mean, the, the, the players have, you know, the, the ability to pay for their education and maybe a future uh, professional career riding on their performance in these games. Right. Coaches have, um, they're very well aware that their contract situation and their ability to uh, make a living is dependent on their performance. So, um, that doesn't excuse, you know, poor performance. And, and what Michigan's done on the field through three games is not what we expected or that the program should accept, you know, a, a low level of performance. But try to remember uh, that the guys in the locker room and the guys in those coaching offices, the guys in the meeting rooms, you know, they're, they're more frustrated, right? They're just as upset that things are not going well. They're, they're just as motivated to try to fix it. So to, to, to just kind of presume that a, a bunch of emotion outpouring from the fan base is, is going to change the direction of the program it is, you know, it is a fallacy. You know, it's, it's hard to remember that those, those guys, they're humans too. Right. And, and especially the players, those are 18 to 20 or 22 year old kids trying to uh trying to really make a name for themselves on a national stage and when it doesn't go well right they're starting to press and try to turn things around um so so just piling on is is not doing anything other than making fans feel as if they've got some control over some stuff that that they really don't and and sometimes you got to take a step back and remember that well and i think you make a great point clint one of the things that I've really appreciated being able to cover the team as we do is you get to see the guys up close. And I always tell everybody, you know, people say, well, what's the biggest thing you've learned being able to cover the team as, you know, pseudo media? You know, we, we get opportunities that the average fan, um, you know, don't necessarily get. And one of the things I always say is you wouldn't believe how much these guys care. Okay. I mean, when you think about, you know, both you and I uh, went to the University of Michigan and, you know, we know the time commitment it takes just to be a regular student, right? So you see these guys who have that burden and then they also have the commitment of being a Division One varsity athlete, right? At um, one of the, uh, a very high profile university. Um, everybody's watching them add the extra strain of COVID and, you know, these guys care. Okay. And, you know, the other thing that, that, you know, I think about, you know, you know, you'll hear talk radio, you're, you'll talk to people on the street, you'll talk to people, you know, uh, uh, at the supermarket and things. And everybody is really quick to come up with, well, there has to be a, a global change. You're going to need to jump in. You're going to need to change this. You're going to need to fire this person. And you know what? That's not what these guys need to hear. Right. Um, you know, these guys are in the middle of of uh, of a season and, you know, as that season plays out, it'll become much clearer what needs to happen. But, you know, you still got a number of games to go. Right. We talked about this uh, checkerboard schedule with teams being knocked out due to covid. The, the fact is, we don't know what's going to happen. And it's why we watch. Right. I mean, you know, occasionally we're disappointed. I mean, I know you were disappointed. I was disappointed by the Michigan State game.
but it's one of the reasons you watch and play the games, right? If we went by just the SB plus or we went just by the point spreads, then then why bother, right? Occasionally, you're going to see big surprises that go for you. Occasionally, you're going to see big disappointments. That's kind of the entertainment of the game. And I think what you need to remember is that while this is entertainment for us, this is uh, these guys' lives, okay? Um, you know, living in this area, you know, up here in Ann Arbor, um, I've seen the, uh, um, the damage, right, or, or just the chaos that's caused when you have a coaching change, when guys come in and go out, when people are fired, even just when players come and go from the program, right? It's a huge impact on their lives. And as you said, you know, when you get older, you can look back at what happened in college and, and ignore a year or two and say, oh, it ended up not being a big deal, you know, to your whole life. But when you're in it, it's your whole world. And I think that that's one of the things that I struggle with. You know, you look at this season and again, it's, it's disappointing for us. But how much more disappointing is it for the seniors, right? How much more disappointing is it for the guys who have been in the weight room every day this year working out, uh, rehabbing from injury, trying to come back, you know, game planning? I mean, nobody cares more than the players, and I think that you make a really great point to point that out. And I, I want to be clear also that, that you and I are, are certainly capable – is any fan is capable of being objective and separating the evaluating the performance of the program, right? Harbaugh is the head coach, the coordinators, right? Uh, offensively, defensively, we, we can still be critical of what we see and the expectations that we have for all those different levels of the program. But there is, there is certainly a human element that needs to stay present uh, when you're critiquing the performance that you see as a fan, as, as a member of, of the pseudo media, like you said, or, um, you know, somebody else, you know, involved in, in the football world, you have to remember, uh, that, that there's still people, right. These are not just, uh, animatronic, uh, beings there for our entertainment. These, these, you know, these are people and players and coaches, um, so I, I would say lead with with being respectful. That doesn't necessarily mean um, poor performance gets a free pass. And, and I, I think it's important to make sure that you you can do both. You can do both of those at the same time, uh, regardless of what your opinions or expectations are of any one particular coach or player. Um, so just just to be clear on that, I don't want to I don't want to. Uh, project like we're we're saying that don't worry it's okay to be one and two in Michigan um, because that's certainly not the expectations that you and I had but um, just saying it's not okay and, and screaming and yelling and saying to broom everybody um, is a knee-jerk reaction right and, and I think you're the, the folks that kind of swung so far that direction immediately maybe are, are doing surgery with an ax instead of with a scalpel. So I, I would just advocate to, to look a little bit closer and make sure that we understand exactly what the objectives are each week now going forward, because you, you've Michigan has obviously lost their best opportunity to, um, to play for a big 10 title. 
and and to achieve what this program sets their goals at the beginning of the season, most of those are, are likely gone with two losses just in the division. So you have to recalibrate and make new objectives each week. And I think as fans, um, if you've got legitimate questions about the program um, or about the performance of any particular position group or coordinator or the head coach in the program in general, then you should have some expectation for what you expect to see change from week to week and at least how I plan to uh, to look at it. You know, the other thing that I keep coming back to is we have an incomplete set of data, right? We have three games in the books. We have games yet, yet to play. And, and I think you make a great point. I mean, I can be super critical, especially of the coaches, okay? The coaches are the ones who are who are getting paid. The coaches are the ones who have the resources and the opportunity to make changes. So I will definitely be critical of, of, the, uh, of the coaches. You know, um, there have been times, and, I, I, you know, I think specifically back, you know, unfortunately, you know, we had the Rich Rodriguez era. We had the Brady Hoke era. And in each of those eras, there were, I, I call them the three strikes, right? And I can remember clearly the three strikes where I went, I, I finally, I, I just had it with Rich Rodriguez. And unfortunately, I remember the same situation with, uh, with Brady Hoke. And, you know, that's something that I'm sure we can cover in a podcast, you know, and share our, our different remembrances of, of those two failed regimes. You know, we're not there yet. Okay. The book's not closed. Um, the script is, is still being written here. And, you know, I can be critical, but I'm also going to pull for these guys and I'm going to pull for Michigan, right? The best thing for us is them to be super successful and, and go on some amazing tear of, of winning. Um, you know, we don't know it's, if it's going to happen, but I know we're going to be watching, right? Even the people who are critical, they're going to tune in to see. And uh, I hope that, you know, you know, you and I were talking and prepping for this podcast and you know, you made the great point a week or two ago that you were just really happy that football was back, right? That we didn't know if we were going to get a chance to watch Michigan football this fall. So first, it's great that we have that opportunity. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about earlier is I'm just hoping I get a chance to talk about better football because, you know, watching the game tape and seeing, uh, you know, the, the offense misfire and the defense misfire, you know, I, I just I want to talk about a big Michigan win. I'm hoping that Michigan just comes out and puts it all together against Wisconsin. But no matter what, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be paying attention. And I'm going to be pulling for the guys. Yeah, of course. Right. And, and with college football, especially week to week, every team is so different. Right. Game plans are so different. The level of preparedness or the level of focus from players who are again 18 or 22 years old it, it changes week to week and that that's true in a quote-unquote normal year so um as quickly as this turned south which we all agree has been a, a sharp turn and we're definitely heading um downward in terms of the uh the direction of the program and for at least this season um there there are it's equally likely that things can turn in the other direction, right? And that means uh, it, it could be playing against a team that that isn't necessarily ready to go, 
right? Especially, uh, you know, in this week leading up to Wisconsin with, with the craziness that they've had to go through. Um, if, if there are lots of different ways that, that the conversation could change to, to your point. So, um, I, I think to kind of put the proper context on that whole conversation is, um, you have to update your expectations based on what you've seen. And, um, it's disappointing to have to lower your expectations on a given season. And I think that's a big part of the emotion right now. Um, that does not necessarily have to be acceptable for any particular Michigan fan with any set of standard, uh, uh, you know, their own personal standards for being a fan or, or for paying money to consume the the football team and their, you know, weekly, uh, you know, output. But I think it's, it's important to understand now what success would look like. You know, if they find a way to beat Wisconsin this week, then that, that certainly would rattle everybody's cages enough to kind of say, well, what, what now, what now, what, what's next, you know, and, and in the same fashion, if it continues to slide backward and, and we don't see signs of improvement, then I think you and I are having a different conversation down the line also. So I, I just I just advocate for kind of accepting the 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 fandom or the pain for a fan to to change your expectations for a season, but also remember that it, it doesn't necessarily have to um, make everything your enjoyment for an entire season collapse if you can if you can find a way to figure out what success means for this program, this coach, these players, and this team in 2020 going forward, um, that there's still some opportunities to turn it around and, and have some measure of success. And that tends to be, um, you know, that, that tends to spread. Succeed breed, Success breeds success. So um, if they can find a way to turn it around this week, um, then then they could get rolling and, and then – you know, right into Rutgers and then Penn State. You know, there, there are opportunities in the coming games. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank everyone. Um, we've had a, a real uptick in the podcast audience lately, which I'm sure is somewhat due to the struggles of the team, but I hope it's also due to you appreciating the work we do here. If you could do us a favor, and if you're listening on Apple Music, if you could give us uh if you could rate the podcast, that would be super spectacular. We'd really appreciate it. Also, when we tweet this out, if you could retweet it, and uh, if you want to add your comments back to us on things you'd like us to, to cover, that would be great too. So uh, with that, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.